whole wheat bread. <laughs> okay, so I get to talk about osteoporosis. It's interesting that you would call this bread and butter because I think as a resident, uh, I don't recall managing this because this is a disease of longevity, right? And, and so like, you don't see a lot of really old people in your clinic. I think. At least I didn't see a lot. How many have managed osteoporosis? A couple, okay. All right, okay. You should give the talk because you probably see more than I have. This is short-ish, I mean, you know, short slot. And I thought I'd ask, where do you want to spend all of your time, or most of the time? Who votes for diagnosis? And if we have time left, I'll hit on the other things, but I just want to make sure Raise your hand if you want diagnosis. Not want diagnosis. Wow. Wow. Okay. Who wants treatment? Oh, okay. that's like the good. That's easy, and then we can move on to the other thing. Anyone want follow up? Yeah. Okay, that was the slide too. So that's easy, easy. We'll be done in ten minutes. Okay. So this is what speaking of treatment. This is what I had in my office today. This is my two thirty appointment. Seventy four year old white lady who had. Uh, has a BMI of 25. She has hypothyroidism and rheumatoid arthritis. And actually in 2019, I had um, gotten a DEXA on her. Um, around, I think she had recently established care, got a DEXA and it showed osteoporosis and we discussed medications. I actually sent uh, bisphosphonate in for her and she, then she never took it. So she had an x-ray a couple of days ago. I don't know if it's visible. Does anyone see? Who sees something that they want to tell us about? Who feels brave enough to tell? This is a foot. That's a good orientation. This is a foot. It's to be left foot. <laughs> she does. Yeah. And uh, and at the base of her fifth metatarsal, she has a fracture. So she had an old fracture actually, and it just has not healed well. Um, that's where it is. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you didn't know, that's not like a place where a 74-year-old lady should get a fracture. Uh, so this is her DEXA report. Um, if you can't, I'll read it because it's very small. Her bone at this, so then it, so under findings for your DEXA, it'll always tell you um, what the um, statistical change would be for the machine that they are utilizing, which is helpful when you're looking at long-term management. Um, and then thankfully they, so I didn't have to calculate it. They said this really nice statement, which is that bone mineral density has statistically significantly decreased from prior in the radius. Um, the bone mineral density basically has a T-score of 0 0.7 in the lumbar spine. And um, the radius though is at minus 0.3. And the reason they did radius is because that's what she had done previously. So they're comparing rather than femur. And so the minus 3.7 gets her diagnosis of osteoporosis. And because she has osteoporosis, a FRAX score was not necessary. Okay, so let's fast forward because we have a diagnosis. So she's in my office today and I said, hey, let's talk about this bone density problem that you have. And she said, yes, let's do. What are the side effects of these medications? So what did I tell her? Osteonecrosis of the jaw, philosophagitis. What else? Typical femur fracture. Good. 
You got the big three. That's what I told her. And her eyes got real big. So then what did so I say to her? <laughs> the risk of getting those? Or you die. <laughs> <laughs> the risk is, yes, Dr. Wilson? Really low. So then I'm going to tell her that the osteonecrosis happens most often with what's that? The one before dental procedures. Prolonged use. Of, Prolonged use. Do you remember the time cutoff? Asking two years. Yes. It's more than four. If you've been on it more than four years, your risk goes up. Dental procedures. Yes. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Any anyone else remember any? other facts about osteonecrosis and when it's more likely to happen. Okay, let's get Close your eyes. Okay, so this is me. I'm calling her on the phone, except she's in my office. <laughs> All right, so let's, I talked to her about non-medical treatment. So non-medical treatment involves balance training and strength training. However, it's not the people who are doing strength training by walking with their weights. You know, those little old people who are super cute. <laughs> It's actually, yeah, I love them. They're not helping themselves. They need a weighted vest. So when you talk to your patients about non-pharmacologic treatment, you have to load the spine. It's not helpful to load the arms. It might be for her, she's radial, but she needs to load the spine. So you can get a weighted vest on Amazon. What size? I don't know. I mean, what weight? I don't know. I didn't just guess. Tell them to start with the lowest and see how it goes. Um, this lady does a blog on bone health and she's really excited about her <laughs> Tai Chi for balance. So you should recommend Tai Chi to all of your old people, maybe your young people too. It's helpful for stress management, helpful for balance training and core strength. And that's going to help them their likelihood of falling. So then after I talked to her about that and answered her questions, um, phosphonates are still first line for, uh, for treatment of primary osteoporosis. So my dad, is, uh, prior to his retirement, was an endodontist, so he did root canals for a living. When my mom got her DEXA scan, um, had it recommended that she take a bisphosphonate, he was like so mad. He was like, I forbid you to take it. <laughs> I took it, it's fine. <laughs> So why? Why do dentists have this like fear of uh, bisphosphonates? Well, it goes back to the dental procedure thing. So basically, how, do, how does a bisphosphonate work? Do you remember? But through what method? Through what? So you have osteoclasts and you have osteoblasts. Oh, does. But what do you need as part of bone formation and healing if, if there's an injury to the bone. You need like the osteoclast class to do some stuff, right? And so it impedes bone healing in the jaw, specifically in the jaw, I don't know why. Um, maybe that's because old people have dental problems. And so if someone has a dental procedure, we'll look at this, recommendations, um, there are higher risk for osteoporosis of the jaw. Um, it's first line, treat them for five years only. You might consider a repeat DEXA in two years to see if they're treatment responsive. Um, that's a, like a smushy guideline. That's the thing about osteoporosis is it's easy and it's hard to, uh, to take care of because there's not like clear consensus on some of this stuff. But bisphosphonates, you can choose um, whichever bisphosphonate is your favorite. 
that try to avoid the daily dosing just because of the GI side effects. I put my lady on the Miva. What's the Evandronate? Is that the were you guys are you old enough to remember the Sally Field commercials? You know who Sally Field is? She was Forrest Gump's mom. There's other things too, but I think that's the one. She took Boniva. <laughs> endorsed Boniva. He hasn't had a fracture. Okay, so higher incidence of IV bisphosphonates. So we don't use IV, uh, IV bisphosphonates a ton. If someone has um, a contraindication or like GI issues, you might recommend it. For example, I have I take care of a lady who has Crest syndrome. And, uh, and she, I mean, she has an awful esophagus. Um, and so for her, I recommended an IV bisphosphonate. Uh, so she is higher risk for osteonecrosis of the jaw. Um, so with dental procedures, it, some of it is gonna depend on, like say you're talking to them about it, you need to ask them, do you have any upcoming dental procedures planned? Some, uh, and if they do, some dental surgeons and OMSFs will say, Um, we'll say like, don't start it, it's the devil. And some of them will say it's okay. Um, if it's less than four years, like they've been on it for less than four years, then most of the time you can continue it. Um, if it's been more than four years, then the, some recommendations are out there to say to stop it for two months, do the dental procedure. And then once they feel the relief from that, this begs the question, what do you do if someone has any other kind of fracture, right? So if it's such a big deal in the jaw, then what do you do with your little old ladies that come into the hospital and have a hip fracture and aren't on a bisphosphonate but clearly have osteoporosis? Can you start it right away? Or you need to wait for that fracture to heal? Yeah, I think there's the benefit of like how long are they expected to be on it before there's benefit? Yeah, so there's a meta-analysis that looked at, um, what, there's not been much research into this. The old thought, and old as in like, when I was a hospital at St. John, the orthos never wanted you to start a bisphosphonate ever because uh, they were like, it's gonna mess up my beautiful surgical work I have done on this fracture. Uh, so I, I like learned never to start it. That you don't have to start in the hospital, but like if they're following up for a hospital follow-up, never start it. Um, but that is not true. You can start it before they heal. Um, but you want to check, you know, their vitamin D and, and um, make sure. Yeah, I might have missed it, but did you say that the um, they've been on it for more than four years, wait two months, and then do the procedure? Does that apply to only the dental procedures, or also to that's, other? That's dental procedure specifically. Um, and then when you think about osteonecrosis of the jaw, they come in with jaw pain um, or exposed bone. <laughs> that seems like it could be obvious. Uh, if they have an infection, you know, they're coming in, they're like, oh, I have an abscess or something. You might think about stopping their bisphosphonate and getting an x-ray. And then a pathologic fracture of the jaw, which I'm not sure that would really, like how that would present, like they're like eating hard candy and then it's like, I don't know. That sounds awful though. Okay, so any questions about bisphosphonates? How are you gonna, okay, let me pause. How, are, how will you instruct your patient to take it? Glass of milk, that's right, it'll give them stronger bones. <laughs> 
in the morning and sitting up, the first thing that you do is thing bottle of water, one gallon or eight ounces. Hydrogen is a man of extreme. Which seems like a weird instruction because I don't think most of us would inherently like want to lie down after after we take our medications. Maybe old people do. I don't know. Maybe they're like, oh, that was exhausting. Medication, like some of these old people. That's a lot. It's tiring. Aren't they always laying down? They just like take their pill and back down. I mean, I some of my old people don't get up until noon. You know, like sleep on that's right for the this <laughs> their ankle weights too because that's really helpful. What if they're on thyroid medicine? Ah, excellent. So that was going to be my question to you. So now I'm going to punt it back. <laughs> so what? How do? How are you supposed to tell your patients to take their synthroid? It's not. Every thirty minutes. Now. You take the synthroid first. For food and other meds. And then you take them after that. Yeah. You don't get up extra early then. Yeah. So, right. So your synthroid has to be first on an empty stomach. An hour always. It doesn't matter. Always synthroid only, empty stomach. Wait an hour before you eat or take other meds. And then your bisphosphonate, you take and be. Right. PPI at 6 a.m., synthroid at 8 a.m. Nothing can be taken. Right. Yeah. 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 Help it absorb. And so, yeah, on the synthroid, not that this is endocrinology day, Dr. John, but on the synthroid, um, if you have your patient coming back with abnormal TSHs and they're on synthroid or dimethyroxine, you need to ask them how they're taking it. And it could be as easy. They just need to take it on an empty stomach and wait. I had a patient that was taking it wrong. They kept increasing her dose. Yeah. Pump it in, man. Also, ask them about biotech. That's a bonus tip. Okay. We did that. Okay, so what if, um, what are your other options? So say they really don't want to bisphosphonate. So the next potential option would be raloxifen. However, this only reduces vertebral fractures. And, uh, and so we're talking mostly about women here, right? I didn't go through this because we're talking about treatment. Um, but most of, the, most of these conversations are going to occur with um, a female population. So it doesn't reduce the risk of non-vertebral fractures, and it has a um, associated increase in vasomotor menopausal symptoms and increased risk of venous thromboembolism. However, it could reduce their breast cancer risk. And so you might think about this medication in someone who doesn't want to do a bisphosphonate for sure, like never going to talk them into it. Um, they're through menopause. They're not having vasomotor symptoms anymore. Um, they don't have a baseline and increased risk of clot. Um, and maybe they're at a higher risk of breast cancer for so that might be a good candidate for calcitonin again similarly only has been shown to reduce vertebral fractures we use this a lot in acute compression fractures because it can help with pain control um, you might even use it for chronic compression fractures that are causing symptoms 
Um, but the, really the, the bottom line is there's just better stuff available. So, uh, so let's get to the two that are considered second line to, sorry, I'm getting a pool in my backyard. <laughs> me actively right now. Remember, oh, Ezra Maya, she'll help me pick yeah. yeah. We're going to ask you to oh, well, well, in blue. Ribbon in blue. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop by and divert the downspouts in case of heavy rain. We will turn it off. So uh, these are the two that are considered second line. So say they fail a bisphosphonate. These are the next two that you're going to consider. The first is teriparatide. Um, so remember, I had to recall this. This helps with bone anabolic activity through the PTH system. Um, it helps reduce vertebral and non-vertebral fractures, and specifically it's FDA approved um, for postmenopausal women who have severe osteoporosis. It's also approved for use in men, or if they haven't had an improvement in their bone mineral density with bisphosphonates. So those are three. You have to fail a bisphosphonate. You really do, or you have to be a, a man or you have to have severe osteoporosis on your bone mineral density. And then denosumab or prolia, which is the one that all my patients are asking for right now. They're like, oh, I just need a shot every six months. Um, well, I'm sure it's uber expensive. I didn't look it up for this lecture, but um, it's a monoclonal antibody. It blocks a ligand receptor um, that activates some kappa thing in the whole system. I didn't look Yes, sir. My mom did, did she had like severe osteoporosis. Yeah. So she did this last one. Yeah. She did the bisphosphonates and didn't work. And it actually moved to osteopenia afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Like it really works. It's yeah. pretty effective. There's a, I mean, patients want it because it's only once every six months, but it is effective. I think um, the, the insurance hoops are really to the cost. So it has been shown to decrease risk of hip, vertebral, and non vertebral fractures. And, um, and again, you can use it as an alternative to tear paratide and those who do not benefit from a bisphosphonate. So practically, how do you make prolia happen or, or denosumab? Um, so generally these patients are gonna be on Medicare, right? Because uh, they're 65 and older. Um, their Part D coverage is probably not gonna be super awesome for this. Sometimes you can get it approved through their, through their hospital benefit if you have it administered at a hospital outpatient infusion center. I know it's not an infusion, but you can order it through our infusion center. You do have to have um, a current chemate with a calcium level on it, because um, you don't want to give it to someone who's hyper, hypocalcemic, you'll make them worse. Um, and so they'll make you, when you write your order, you'll have to write an order for a chemate and then for the medication to be administered. But you all should probably, I think you have to have an attending sign off on your order. It's a paper order, like the old. Like, like when I was a resident and we had paper orders, I don't know. It's, it's so weird. You take a pen, right? You have to date and time it. Things you take for granted. To date and time, you have to write your order. I, I always like write thank you to what I was trying to do. Um, and then it has to be faxed to the central scheduling fax and to the infusion center. Um, I looked at the price, $1,482. But for a life, six. Huh? priceless. Yeah. It's every six months, so. Yeah. So it's like just 3000 a year. 
So just a clarification question, you said, so these are Medicare patients, so you have to sign up for the infusion. So that's how they would actually end up getting it. Like, is this um, a, tier, a lower tier medication? So that we have to have proved they've either failed um, the phosphonate or they're severe. Um, and, and then is there a prior auth uh, process as well that... Yeah, so what happens when you send someone to the outpatient infusion center is they get the insurance approval separately it goes through a separate process then through a pharmacy and so you don't so you won't get like paperwork back unless it's just flat out denied and then you'll have to file an appeal um so it's different than if you send it to the pharmacy okay if you have someone who's not on medicare then they have um you know tra traditional commercial insurance so you would send it to their pharmacy and then you would perhaps play the game of higher authorization yeah when you send them to like endocrinology, do they have a process where they can get these things approved like cheaper for patients or faster for patients? Um, no. So they would have they to get like, special permission. They just like know the right words to do that. Mm -hmm. you, you're, you're only doing it usually, well, at this stage of your career, you're only doing this every, you know, once in a blue moon. So you forget like, oh, what are the magic words? They probably have pre-filled out forms and they're just signing everything to them. It's not like, oh, they're an endocrinologist, they can get this approved better. It's a good question. On our, on our patients who may not have like a DEXA scan to prove that they have osteoporosis, but they have like a low impact injury that resulted in a pathologic fracture of some kind, and now they're at additional risk for new falls and new fractures, what would you recommend as far as the regimens? Do you have me a diagnosis question? Because <laughs> mm. that was a part of this lecture. Mm -hmm. Well, technically, that would mean diagnostic criteria for osteoporosis. Right, but how are you going to monitor their treatment? So you need to get a DEXA scan. Get the DEXA scan, correct. And then how would you, which which of these regimens would you go to? So your osteoporosis, then you would perhaps go to teriparatide or genosumab. If you don't, then you start with a bisphosphonate. No diagnosis, I don't care. Um, yeah, so you do want to get the DEXA scan because you want to be able to monitor and if it's Yes, you can diagnose it clinically based on a fragility fracture. Okay, so follow up. Again, there's just no consensus. Uh, just don't do it every year because that's a waste of money and time and bone takes time to build mineralization. Um, so maybe repeat it in two years after you start treatment. For regular screening guidelines, um, the thought is maybe repeated every five years. So if you have someone with normal bone density, five years repeat their DEXA scan. Before you start treatment, make sure to get a vitamin D because obviously if you don't have the blocks to build the building, then it's not gonna be super helpful. So check your vitamin D. Um, if you're worried that they may have like a secondary osteoporosis, then you would also get like a TSH. Because um, hyperthyroidism can obviously lead to osteoporosis as well. Okay, we have like 15 minutes. Do you want to go through the rest? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, in addition to like the axial loading, I know like centric loading and um, non-axial bones can be, do you ever send them to like PT to help with like squats or um, I haven't yet, but there is actually down the street here on Riverside a, um, Oh, I'm gonna forget the name of the clinic. It's like a bone health physical therapy place, and I think my patients can self-refer there for my patients who are like highly motivated to stay off of bisphosphonates forever. 
Also, I just want to say, you don't have to send to endocrinology you know, to treat this, much like diabetes. This is something that's in your wheelhouse. Sometimes I have patients who happen to see endocrinology for other reasons, and then they have osteoporosis. Bone health, burgers, uh, uh, Tulsa Bone and Joint does have a, they have a healthy bone center. I'll have to find it and then send you the, send you the link. So every, I mean, you know, healthcare is a business and no one can take care of patients like specialists can take care of patients, right? So if I'm a specialist who does surgery and, uh, and I'm looking to like bones and I'm looking to like make more money, this is such a, this is a skewed take, um, then I'm going to open an osteoporosis clinic within my clinic, right? Even though I'm not a, I'm not an endocrinologist or primary care doctor. I just repair bones. Um, so they have a they have an APP. I know Tulsa Bone and Joint has an APP that runs their Healthy Bone Clinic. Um, you can, is it kind of like the diabetes healthy living referral? No, no, like they see an APP and they prescribe bisphosphonates, just like you can. Just my two cents. It probably costs a much higher copay for your patients as well. Okay, let's get back to. Uh, just, can I say something? Yeah, and it could be positive about the healthy bone. No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> to Dr. Jones' point about like the spots and stuff. So I work with one of like the head sports medicine people in university hospitals in med school. There's a study where if you do, like you do a squat, but you push out for 30 seconds, like it's a really slow squat. Mm -hmm. um, tai Chi squat? I don't know what, if anything about Tai Chi. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they would like, so they not max weight, but just five reps of like pushing like 30 seconds, like out and back. Um, and you did that for like every single day. Well, you did, you did workouts like that every day, but you did like the squats two days a week. Um, over like a three month period, they actually saw like reversal of the osteoporosis. Like, so if they do that long-term, it's really good. You didn't exercise. It was a where I went to medical school added like a, a gym. And so they would, their patients would go and do anaerobic exercise. That'll be the next thing it's also been. Strength training is super important. Yeah. I was an OB, OB guy on my rotate with who's talking about using hormone replacement therapy. Is that a favor? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I, I didn't even put it up there because it's it's like last line. And there's so much, there's these meds are so much better than. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah. If you're going to do that, I mean, maybe put them on a serve on the serve, right? Like, but estradiol for the sake of um, bone, healthy bones. Okay, I just want to make sure. Sure. Sorry. Okay. Let's. Uh, so Angel made the point of like, hey, what about stability fractures? And so. Um, obviously, so those are fractures that occur spontaneously as a result of minor trauma or no trauma can happen um, in your spine, your hip, your wrist, your humerus, your ribs, your pelvis, all of those would be considered fragility fractures if it's from a height of like their height or less of a fall. That's a fracture. Um, and then, of course, I um, for years didn't know what a DEXA scan looked like, like what it physically looked like and what patients actually did when they were there. 
That's what your patients do. They sit on a table and put their legs up on a block and then they scan their leg and trace them. Okay, so screening, who would we screen? Um, obviously, so obviously women 65, particularly white women 65 and older um, need to be screened. So age 65. For men, there's not really a consensus and it depends on the guidelines that you read. Um, USPSTF says, no, don't do it. Uh, the American Endocrinology Society, whatever their official title is, says age 70 for men. But I think if you're taking your boards, they follow USPSTF, which would say no screen for men. And even the osteoporosis screening in women at 65 is a level B. It's not even a level B recommendation. So what about if they aren't 65 and older as a woman? So again, men, no consensus. If they're postmenopausal women, so that can be anytime someone's postmenopausal. So whether it's a surgical postmenopausal syndrome, like say they had a hysterectomy, bilateral hysterectomy at 20, um, postmenopausal, right? So if they are, and then they have, oh, soccer practice is canceled. This is so exciting. I guess it's raining. I don't know. It's talking. So, um, it was apparently not a good uh, or last week. Kath, this is not, this is about promoting health. Um, she had her very, very first ever soccer practice ever in the history of the world. Like, it wasn't as cute as you think. More as cute than I told us. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, walking, might, you might think it's cute. Um, I, so my background is I played soccer through all the way through and in college. And so maybe that's why my like measure for keeping myself healthy. So in that line, she got in the car and I asked her how it went. She said, it's great. I am so good at soccer. And, uh, and, the, and those who have checked out a patient with me probably know what happened next. I was like, hmm, let me just... What made you? <laughs> she said, I don't know. I'm just really good. And, uh, and I was like, huh, well, you were good at listening and having a good attitude and trying to be hard. And she said, but you didn't think I was good? And I was like, oh. yeah. You said you were good. It was your very first practice. And I bet you're going to get good, but you. <laughs> I feel so familiar. So I appreciate it. You can hear me already. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, oh, my. <laughs> it happens at home too. Okay. Who <laughs> <laughs> have had a fracture without major trauma after the age of 40 to 45. Why their range? I don't know. Um, if they have radiographic osteopenia, so decreased mineralization on an x ray. Um, if they have at least three months of consistent systemic glutocorticoid use, or if they have rheumatoid arthritis, then they should get a DEXA. If they are perimenopausal um, or postmenopausal women, I don't even know why it says or. Um, I guess some of these things are not up there. Maybe that's why, but some of them are, so it's strange. Um, they're, they're a current smoker. They might need to, they, they could consider a DEXA. Early menopause, they don't define that. Family history of osteoporotic fractures, excessive alcohol consumption for women. That's how many drinks a day? More than one. That's right. Greater than or equal to two. Um, if they have a low body weight or low BMI, and then again, at least three months of systemic steroids. So I think when I was putting this together, it reminded me of like how many people I can probably get DEXA scans on that I don't. 
Um, but I think the key phrase here is if they're willing to consider treatment. Like if they're not going to consider treatment, this is a nice public health, you know, uh, approach. Like if they're not going to be treated, then don't give a test, right? If they're willing to, to, to do something about it, um, and you think that they really are at higher risk for it, then I'd recommend it. Yeah. Are current smoker, is there like a how Really not. Yeah. I mean, if they like socially smoke, maybe. You know, social smoking. If they only smoke when they drink or they only smoke when they're at a bar, that would be a social smoker. <laughs> um, so the, if willing to consider meds, why does that only apply to that category? Well, so I think there's a principle in public health that's like, um, there is, there, the concept is kind of like, why would we diagnose a disease that we're not going to do anything about? Because there's psychological stress perhaps from it or spending money to get the test not going to change anything. They should probably do exercise, good nutrition, not just probably. They need to do those things anyway. And so if they're like, I'm not going to take a med, then I'm not going to get the test. What if a DEXA scan would convince them to have health? Well, so you can that. ask them. Yeah, you can ask them that. Like, what if it came back and it was severe? Then do it then. <laughs> why, why is that um, caveat? Oh, the, the evidence here isn't as strong. Oh, okay. So the other ones, we don't care whether or not they say I'm not going to be treated. It's just like, well, we screen you because you have high enough. We're going to give them a stronger recommendation. Now, I still have ladies 65 and older who tell me that they will never take a medication, even if it's denosumab. And so I never get DEXA on that. Sorry. Yeah, it's about the, the incidence. Just cancel on. So it's a pop up right every time I see them. You can cancel it, but that is especially dark. Yeah. But just remember, that doesn't make it canceled in the heavenly realms, <laughs> which is the insurance company. No. Oh. <laughs> it's not heavenly realms. Private <laughs> <laughs> realms that rules this. Uh, because they will fill on your quality metrics. Like we're not measured on our osteoporosis screening, for example, right now, but one day if we are, like they're still going to count it against you, but it just, it just doesn't bother you when you look at the measurement. You don't feel bad about it. We fix all the blood pressure and the diabetes and start picking on the osteoporosis. Yeah. Mm. COPD. <laughs> tree falls in the forest. <laughs> we could just start when they're young. Exercise. Yeah, they probably will come after osteoporosis. What's the other one? They came after these people. The next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after osteoporosis. <laughs> if you have someone that comes back with osteopenia or you have someone in one of these categories and they're like, well, what's my fracture risk? You know, they're real sly. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you do with that? You get a frax. And then you would consider treatment if their hip fracture risk over 10 years was 3% or their total fracture risk of any osteoporosis-related fracture is greater than 20%. So uh, there used to be a, a slick app. I don't know if there is anymore, uh, but it's still the website. So here's the FRAX website. Here's this important man. I don't know. Uh, calculation tool you can pick here. first. Um, so I, I had always, or in the past, I had 
been confused by this because they always ask about like the machine that's used and what the score is. And you don't actually have to fill that out in order to get a BRAC score to pop out. So you can use this on people to see if they have uh, an increased risk to make a decision about getting a bone density. You don't have to have the bone density first. So if you put in, you know, I don't know, name a weight. 70. 75 centimeters. <laughs> um, if they have had a previous fracture, current smoker, uh, I'm going to assume they don't have like uh, secondary osteoporosis, like from hyper hyperthyroidism or something like that. Unit of alcohol, yeah. I I don't know what that means. I mean, this is like a British person. <laughs> They're in the pubs, you know? So you see, I didn't have to I didn't have to put anything in here and it spit out their their red. Red is so if you're having a conversation with somebody and they're wanting to have some some data to make the decision based on. Yes. Also, when you're starting treatment for these people, tell them to take the higher recommended dose of calcium and vitamin D as well. Um, I think that I think the recommendation is still a thousand of calcium and eight hundred of vitamin D. But I check their vitamin D before I start treatment, and so then I know if I need to replace a tablet. And just remember, calcium from food is always going to be better than than supplementing calcium pills because that increases their ASC. Sir. You charge vitamin D. Uh, so I don't. I I check it after I have the diagnosis. So it's osteopenia or osteoporosis. For screening, probably not so helpful. Um, okay, just a couple more slides. Well, one more slide. This is uh, so I use mostly this the AFP article, 2015 for this. So this is just their guide of sort recommendations. Um, and so this phosphonates level A. And then in patients who don't can't use a bisphosphonate, it's teriparatide and denosumab. So you see that. And then choosing wisely says don't do a DEXA if they're younger than 65 in women and had zero risk factors, or men younger than 70 with no risk factors. And then the American College of Rheumatology says don't do yearly DEXA scans. Or do it more than more often than two years. Sorry. Or every six months or whatever, however you want to divide. Some of the some of the choosing wisely stuff is like, ooh, that's so good. This one seems like not as. But I do it anyway. Okay, questions. Source other than all of the pictures I found in my notes. Components biotin. Oh, so ah, oh, I can't remember the, the mechanism. The biotin um, causes a on labs a falsely lower TSH. So they need to stop their biotin at least two days before you check their TSH. Otherwise, it's going to come back lower. I fought like tooth and nail to get this lady's TSH up, like increasing, increasing, increase. And finally, kind of like the, are you taking it the right way? And then I was like, what supplements are you on? And she's on biotin. Um, and then I felt like a dumb dumb. She's probably like tachycardic. I was like, <laughs> 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 she lost a lot of weight. It's really good. <laughs> 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 
five years of treatment. So bisphosphonates stay in your bones, apparently, like you die. So there's not uh, the risk of osteonecrosis of the jaw goes up, and the benefit of taking the bisphosphonate goes way down. All right. Yes. Uh, if you have bisphosphonates and then you get a fracture, uh, is there like a escalation or? It should be an escalation. So you would then go to your teraparotide or your genosis. Unless you like started the you know bisphosphonate yesterday. I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question because I'm correcting something wrong, but in my thinking, where I focused on starting with vitamin D rather than you know thinking like, well, this for osteoporosis it, it re revolves around the DEXA. So I'm trying to think in like the diagnosis journey, where do I put vitamin D? So you were saying like after you have the diagnosis. Got it. So I don't here with the vitamin D until I know uh, they have vitamin or they have osteoporosis or penia and that. Yeah, they should. So, and, and why don't we care? Turns out, so you're going to find this out in your career. Things that seem really obvious and really great that everyone loves for like five years or longer. Um, the next five years, you're going to find out, well, that was useless. And we're kind of in that pendulum swing of vitamin D. Probably not as helpful as we thought to be checking in on people. Probably. I mean, it made us feel super good to like replace it and see that number go up. Um, but probably didn't affect outcomes the way predicted to. That's not universally true, but it is for universal screening. So if you were just getting vitamin D's on everybody. So now I've changed to, okay, am I worried about their bone health legitimately? I've got a diagnosis now, I need to check their vitamin. Okay, free. Announcements. Two for two tonight at the Actors National Mission. Couple other announcements. We're going to send an email this weekend regarding some outpatient stuff, and so.